we met on our first date online in the early days of online dating. All these years later, here we are. Hello everyone and welcome to Life Told by a Stranger, the podcast where we pose the same four questions to each guest and get life advice to put our minds at rest. I'm your host, Daniela Lake, and today's episode is part of our Valentine series. Today, I'm here with Michael and Eric. Hello. How do you do? Where were both of you guys born? Well, I was born in Kansas. Kansas City, Kansas, basically. (laughs) Were you raised there? No, I was raised in Houston, Texas, and uh, lived in Austin for college. And then I moved out here to Los Angeles. (laughs) Is it a lot different? Los Angeles versus... Yeah, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere, so this is, feels more like home than anywhere. It's very different from, from Texas in a good way. And you? I was born in Northern California, San Rafael. I grew up, though, in Arizona, and then I moved to Japan. I lived in Japan off and on for about 20 years. Do you like it there? I love Japan. It's like a second home. So what are both of your jobs? Uh, I'm a television writer and producer and work in a lot of uh, comedy programs and animated shows, stuff like that. I wrote an episode of The Simpsons. I wrote for uh, Futurama for pretty much the whole run. Disenchantment, which is a new Matt Groening show that's on Netflix. And then tons of old sitcoms you might have seen when you were in diapers. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I design and build homes. So I have a, it's called a design build firm. So we'll do high-end residential. Mostly we'll, we'll design it with the client for about three months, and then we, we do the interiors and the landscaping and, you know, as much as they'll let us do, and then we build it. Mm-hmm. So did you design your own home? And... We did, yeah. So how long have you guys known each other? Coming up on 18 years. How long have you been together? 18, 18 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> so right from the start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think we can get into the main four questions now. Okay. okay. Question number one. If you were to write a romance novel based on your relationship, what is one story you would have to include? Well, I think it was our second date. Oh. <laughs> we, we went to a movie, and we were, afterwards we went to a, uh, what was called a record store, where they used to sell records and, and <laughs> CDs and things. It's an old concept. And anyway, we were just talking and stuff, and some of the stuff he was saying just sort of like, rubbed me the wrong way and I I sort of jumped to a conclusion yeah. about some of his beliefs. I kind of thought, eh, I don't know what I'm doing in this relationship. He's awesome, but maybe this is not the greatest match ever. It was a different time when I went over and So he dumped you. me. Yeah, I tried to dump him. He, no, he did dump me and told me that he thought I was an anti-Semite. And I, I said, what? Because, you know, at that time, I, I had a startup in, in Japan and Germany, and we were a tech firm, and my entire team of, of advisors and financiers, everything was Jewish, and it's absolutely not the case. And I, don't, I have no idea to this day how he thought that I was an anti-Semite. But the, the thing is, is I really liked him. And I think in a lot of relationships, you know, when it's new and you're dating, those first you know, few weeks, months, if things go bad or if there's any kind of a big bump, I think a lot of people just move on. Especially now, I think with the, the whole Tinder, 
online dating swipe right. Crowd. Yeah, there's there's an endless selection right. out there. So, <clears throat> but I was I was so sure that he was my guy, and I was also pissed off that he thought I was an anti semite. <laughs> so I you know I wrote him a letter. I said, and it was a long letter, and I said, "You're wrong, and this is wrong, and and we need to jump right back where we were because you're you're the guy." And it was beautifully uh, composed, yeah. and it totally won me over. It absolutely worked, and I realized, hey, I'm being stupid. So we would include that that bump in the road. Of course, the, the good lesson there to uh, not judge people that seem awesome in every other way. Maybe stick around and... And get to know someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So question number two. What do you value the most in each other, and why? Eric is... Uh, you know, I dated a lot. You know, Eric was married to a woman before. He was with her for ten years. But I had dated all over town. I'd you know been single in West Hollywood and around the world for, I think at that point, 10 years. right? And uh, so I knew a lot of different guys and a lot of types of guys. And that's why I knew so quickly that Eric was my guy. Because you know I felt like I, I was on a mission to find the right person. What I liked about him was that he was just himself. You know, growing up gay and kind of being an outsider, you meet a lot of guys who are trying on personalities and trying on all these different things that aren't really them. And you get a lot of posers and a lot of, and I get it, I I get it because, you know, people do what they can to survive or to make their lives, you know, better. But Eric wasn't really any of that. He was just himself. And he's so genuine and so patient and just kind. He's just a kind person. And that's what I had been looking for, was somebody that was just really genuine. And it's endured. You know, he's super patient and super, he's so good with our kids. All the, all the traits that I was looking for, for myself, have been so incredible for our children, too. How many children do you have? Three. Three, Three. okay. Yeah, we have a 13-year-old, and we have two twins that are 11, boy-girl. So what about you? What do you value in him? Well, for all my great qualities that he just uh, discussed. One thing that I am not great at is sort of long-range thinking and sort of big grand scheme thought. And Michael is, that's almost his go-to, is like to think of the broad picture and sort of the long-range plan. And I'm much more cautious and less inclined to make big moves and he is all about the big moves and it's uh, it's been a great lesson to learn that taking risks and making big moves is uh, a huge part of life and it's, it adds so much quality to your life and my life would be so much smaller and so much more boring if I didn't have Michael's approach to life sort of co-piloting my narrow approach but I've learned to trust him because um, he's always right. Not true. We bought a property in Malibu, and that was not the right move. Wow. It's the one, the one accident. <laughs> but you know what? That comes from, actually, I, I grew up very religious. I grew up Mormon, and uh, I served my mission, my two-year mission in Japan. And I think part of a religious upbringing is looking at the big picture, you know, a life filled with purpose. And so you're always casting out further and further down the road because you want to make sure you're on a trajectory and... So that was just my mode of operation. When when he when I said I'm going to have kids, he he said, "Oh, I'm not ready." I said, "Of course you're not ready. Let's have them." You know, because you're never ready. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We're so opposite in in many ways. You know, I'm from 
a family of ten. He's from a family of two. They're very academic and really simple, good people. And we were all like, work with your hands. Go build something. Go make something. And we're just very different that way. Yeah. And like, in your case, opposites do attract. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have huge commonalities. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of shared interests. and Yeah. But... But yeah, in a lot of big ways, we're different. Our approaches are different. Mm-hmm. And how you guys mentioned like taking risks and being bold. It's not always easy, you know? And like, I think it's nice that you have him to like push you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people tend to draw on their experience in life. And when you live a small life or you're kind of sheltered from, you know, some things, people just do what they know or they do what their parents did. And... I loved that, you know, my religious upbringing threw me out into the world, threw me across the ocean, said, hey, sink or swim. (laughs) Question number three. Putting aside money, fear, and insecurity, what is one thing you would love to do together if there were no stakes and you had all the freedom in the world? We travel. We travel a lot. I I spent 20 years on a a plane, but that was for my business. And we love travel, but... And, and with our kids, we travel a lot. We've been to Japan and Europe, and we've gone to a lot of places. Yeah. Of Africa last summer. and But the problem, being a gay couple with kids, is there are a lot of places you can't travel to. And so when you talk about if fear weren't a concern, you'd be able to travel the world. It would be yeah. so nice just to be take our kids. incredible to go to the and Middle East and, and to, Go to you Egypt. Know. Go to places where they will hang you if you're gay. I, I found out recently... My bio dad is a Syrian, so he grew up in Iran. I'd love to go investigate that culture and check it out, but you can't go there. You know, not right now. It's just not safe for a gay family to travel there. So I think that would be our main thing, is if the world were a little better suited for all kinds of people, it would be so nice to be able to go to some of these places and show them to our children or see them ourselves. And, I mean, you know, if cost was not an issue and and various other (laughs) factors it would be amazing to do like a just like a year-long round the world you know just bounce from incredible place to incredible place and just kind of check it all out our kids are such good travelers we when we did japan we were on bullet trains i think we took 14 bullet train yeah and they loved it it's it's just so much fun to get out there and show them the world yeah, it's so great that they get to experience it, like, at a young age, because some yeah. people, they don't ever leave their little community. Right, right. I mean, I hope it's, I mean, obviously when you're a kid, you don't remember things and as well as adults do, and you don't really, there are aspects that you don't process, but we're hoping at least some residual, you know, outlook about the world and just an understanding that every place has value. They get something everywhere we go. Morocco, you know, they saw... They saw extreme poverty, but also extreme art and beauty. Yeah, you can see poverty here in L.A., but, but there it was just such a, a profound, I think it was profound for our, especially our oldest daughter, yeah. to see you know, a little girl having to sell things and her parents you know, just whacking her on the back of the head if she didn't sell them to the tourist. And you know, it's important. It's important for them to know that the whole world isn't like L.A. Or, right. you know, we're so privileged and, and fortunate. What has been your experience as a gay couple? Uh, it's been pretty, I mean, luckily, living in Los Angeles, it's just not a big deal here for the most part. I mean, I've never really, I can't, offhand, I can't remember anything other than when we were coming back from Canada, 
with uh, U.S. Customs. That was horrible yeah. with our children, with with our first kid. Yeah, and they were the customs agents were rude and well, the the Canadian customs agents were amazing. Yeah, they, they were, were so sweet, you know, congratulating us. And then you walk ten feet away, and, and you're U.S. Customs, and they're like, "Where's the mom?" And you're like, "Well, we're this is our child. We're we're two dads." Oh, Larry, you got to get over here. You got to see this. This is—it's two guys with a baby. You know, it's two. There's no mom. It's just two men. Can you believe that? You know, it's just yeah. like it's so rude. super yeah, rude. It's ridiculous. It's, <clears throat> but you know, for the most part, we we get to be a gay couple in a an era or a time when so many of our predecessors have fought for rights and fought for progress, and and we get to have a better life. We get yeah, to have I mean, all of this because of them. It's crazy. Like when when I think about what life was like for gay people when we were kids, I mean, you just oh, you couldn't even talk about being gay. I mean, it yeah. was just like, oh well, he, you know, uh, Janice's son is single, just lives. He's got the roommate, and they just live in their uh, one bedroom apartment, and you know, I mean, everything was coded and and secret and. Nothing yeah. was out in the open. And, 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 uh, and your generation is so, like, I don't think any of them will stay in the closet. It's just so liquid and acceptable now, and I feel like it's just getting better and better. In fact, becoming being gay is becoming so boring. Yeah. You know, there used to be the gay part of town and gay clubs, and, you know, I used to have all this cachet. You know, all of my straight friends thought I was a designer just by default because I was gay, right? I did happen to be a designer, but... I mean, I know plenty of gays who couldn't dress themselves out of out of a paper bag. They're just, it's not innate. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee of it's anything. It's not a, a genetic trait. But, um, you know, it's it's boring. Like, I, I think all of our friends, you know, now that we're in school, all of our friends are straight. We don't yeah, hang we out have, with a lot of gay couples. Yeah, not on a regular basis. We're just boring. Yeah, we're just um, we're just as boring as a straight couple with, with children. And that's so, perfect. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. That's the dream. <laughs> You know, I have a I have a nephew who came out in high school, and he's always always been like the most popular kid in high school, and you know, and he's just kind of a, a unicorn. I'm I'm amazed at how awesome his life is as a young gay person in Los Angeles. So you young people are lucky. You're very lucky. So lucky. You don't know how good you have it. Right. <laughs> I mean, gays have stopped being sidekicks and kind of funny. B or C stories on TV, and they can now actually be main characters who are boring, <laughs> just like the straights, which is everything. Mm-hmm. So, question number four: What's the greatest piece of relationship advice that you have to offer? I think Eric touched on it earlier. You know, everyone has that saying in their heads: opposites attract, but it repels as much as it ret- attracts. And I think that if people would focus more on commonalities, we we both love architecture. We mm-hmm. both love. Date night for us is driving around and looking at homes or, you know, we, we have more in common than we don't. I would also say vulnerability. You know, a lot of people go into relationships thinking that they're going to control everything or that they're not going to have to change much about themselves. And if you can't be vulnerable, you can't be in, you can't be in love. You can be in a relationship, but you can't be in love. Listen's a huge one. You've got to be able to like calmly listen to what your partner is saying and take it in. And even if it's hard to hear, you've got to stay rational and sort of not rational. I mean, rational sounds cold, but 
arguing is is just not it's it's a trap that repeats upon itself over and over again and yeah. and uh, we think, never fight yeah I don't think we've ever yelled at each other or had I don't think our children and it's such a gift for our children you know I grew up in a house with parents that would fight right in front of us yeah me too and I think of our kids I think you know there a lot of things are going to form them their friends their environment but I feel like we're at least a neutral thing we're we're not going to let anger and a bad home environment form them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to think that my girls will, and even my son, will look for people like Eric to marry. And likewise, I mean, just you know, a calm, yeah, loving relationship rather than one with constant arguing and stress. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there from media. You know, um, if if we're not fighting, we're not passionate. You know. There's there's a lot of like hardwired bad ideas, you know, opposites attract, and you know, and, and and the truth of it is, you know, it's it's, I think it's it's a lot more about your better selves and your best ideas, not all of these bad habits, rom com notions. Right? And I will say my final advice for for when people are looking for a serious mate or a a partner or you know someone to love. Be the person you want to you wanna date. So many people don't bring much to the table, and yet they want everything. That's my best pitch, is you know, be the, the kind of person that you'd like to meet. Do you guys have any other stories? Well, we'd like to know more about you and your... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's see. So if people are interested in us because we're a gay couple or gay family, um, maybe it's interesting to know how we had our children. Uh, we we did a process called gestational surrogacy. And the reason we did that is because we wanted to have our own biological children, but we also didn't want to have um, a mother who had like a legal claim to these children. So the way they do that is you get an, an egg donor, and you mix that with us, and then you put that embryo in a third party. In a surrogate. Surrogate mother. Who, who is not the egg donor. Who's not related at all. We did this in Canada because it's about 40% less than doing it in the U.S. And uh, our children are dual citizens. They're Canadian and U.S. citizens. But um, there's so many ways for gay couples to have kids, and that's how we had ours, you know, through gestational surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, I forgot on the relationship thing, remember that you're dating somebody's family. You're not just dating them. And so many people you know, are shocked after dating someone for three years to find out that they're just as horrible as they always said their parents were, you know, and take that to heart. Like, date people who come from good, loving families. And if they've escaped from that and they've, they've improved themselves, improved themselves yeah. that's great. But really, nine out of ten times, people, people are made by their families. Yeah. If you can find a great mom and dad and great siblings wrapped around that person you're interested in, it's going to be so much better. Wisdom. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank You're you welcome. For being willing to sit down with me and talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for asking. Well, good luck with your project. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Life by a Stranger. And I'll see you guys next time. Stay tuned.